Today on Sharp Scratch, you'll learn about the ugly side of competition. How friendly rivalries can be a good thing. And the unwritten rules that all medical students follow. You're listening to Sharp Scratch, episode 30. How competitive are you? This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where we talk about all the things you might want to know to be a good doctor, but that you won't get taught at medical school. I'm Anna, and I'm a final year medical student at King's, and I'm also the editorial scholar here at the BMJ. And I'm joined today by one of our old friends, Raihan. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi guys, I'm a final year medical student. I've just finished interclating at Imperial and I should be going back to Newcastle soon once all of this is over. <laughs> How, is it weird uh, recording from your house instead of in the studio? Because some of our, our new people have only ever done it from, from the comfort of their own homes. So Yeah, like for example, I have to hold my microphone so it doesn't rub rather than the <laughs> microphone being in place already. And It's a little thing but something that just is different. Well, it's great to have you uh, with us today. And I'm also delighted to introduce one of our new panel members, Andrew. Would you like to introduce yourself and uh, yeah, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Hello, um, yeah, I'm Andrew. Um, I'm a second year Scott Gym student. So um, it's a graduate entry medicine programme in St Andrews and Dundee. And um, before I did that, I did pharmacy at Strathclyde, so a pharmacist as well. So yeah, glad to be here. Awesome. You can um, help me with my PSA revision then. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> and we're also absolutely delighted to um, have with us today um, someone whose uh, work has actually been really, really influential for Sharp Scratch as a whole. So, Heidi, would you like to introduce yourself and um, tell us a little bit about the work that you do around medical students? Yeah, hello, my name is Heidi Lemp. I'm a reader in medical sociology and I work in King's College London and I work in the medical school. And I do a lot of clinical trials uh, with patients and with healthcare staff, but also I do uh, teach medical students in the second and third year of their training. And I did my PhD on the hidden curriculum, and so my interest in, medis- in teaching medical students has maintained. However, after my PhD, I uh, pulled back a little bit and focused more on, on my research. But the contact with students has been really, really important and looking out for the hidden curriculum aspects as well. So Heidi actually um, wrote the paper, the original paper about the hidden curriculum that um, Laura, who was my predecessor, used a lot when she was thinking about how to frame Sharp Scratch and the kind of things that we might talk about on Sharp Scratch. So Heidi, you are like a a Sharp Scratch celebrity. So thank you so much for for being here with us today. That's amazing. And um, today what we're going to be talking about is something that I think all of us have probably experienced at medical school, which is like this this kind of competitive atmosphere, right? So I think it's drilled into us from the very beginning when people tell you how competitive it is to, to just get into medical school, right? And I know like for myself, like my experience of it has perhaps not been, it's not really been as much at the forefront of my mind because I don't really consider myself a competitive person and I just kind of... 
like trundle along doing my own thing but I do remember like one thing that sticks out in my mind is when I was in third year a friend of mine was doing a master's in like surgical education he was doing this like laparoscopic surgery sim thing and it was via a game and I remember going to help him with it and I was like immediately I was like oh my god I have to be the best in this group at this like I must be the best at this and that was really like weird for me because I was kind of like I never really felt like that competitive before but I don't know like Raihan and Andrew like do you say that your like med school is competitive or? So I think mine is maybe a wee bit different so uh, I'm in the first year of this um, course the first cohort and they said to us when we started that they kind of wanted to get rid of that as much as possible Um so I don't know about you guys, but we don't have anything that's decided by the end of exam results. So I know in my previous degree, um, our dissertation subjects, the people with the highest marks got first pick and it worked its way down. So if you're near the bottom of the pile in, in that year group, your, your odds of getting the dissertation you know, project you wanted were, were really slim to none. Whereas uh, in the course I'm in, they've kind of made a conscious effort to try and, try and eliminate that because obviously... There's a lot of competition in medicine to get in, and uh, if you if you kind of foster that a bit too much in medical school, it can kind of have a negative effect on everyone. And what about you, Rohan? Because you're quite—I I feel like you're quite a competitive person. <laughs> yeah, I I can I can be a competitive person, but like sometimes when the competition is too much, and and say if it has an effect on me, then I just I just think you know what, it's it's not productive, so there's no point. But I remember the first exam that we had in medical school and um, we were told that it didn't count towards anything but everyone's results would be displayed on a whiteboard and it would be sort of ranked and I think the only thing sort of keeping it anonymized was that it wasn't your name being displayed if I remember correctly it was your number that's just like you've been assigned but I mean, we're in a in a room full of all our friends, and we're all going to ask what position did you come? Yeah. And like the word gets around to the point where people I never even knew in that first year knew what position I'd came in. It's like I get what the medical school is trying to do, like uh, keeping it anonymous. But I mean, let's be real: we're medical students. We're going to ask each other <laughs> what what position did you come? And it's it's like that was the first exam that we had, and that's like the introduction into the medical school Mm. since then we've not had anything like that but it was just a weird experience but I guess it was quite fun as well at the same time (laughs) and Heidi this was something that you wrote about in your 2004 paper you said that you know based on the interviews that your team had done with medical students there still very much was this feeling of you know competition and hierarchy in medical training right yeah so uh, my my background comes from nursing and nursing is, is competitive as well but nothing like in medicine and I can see sort of two major dimensions here because getting into medical school is already very competitive because you need to have your A-levels and also what kind of school you went to because the students told me in, the, in my PhD that whether you've been to a private school or to a state school, this is really important, whereas before it didn't really matter to students. And then during the medical school, there's a huge aspiration by all the students to be really have really good marks and do really well. So there's a huge competitiveness, which you both alluded to, um, and that's really another really important dimension. And then post-qualification, you have another 10 years before you become a consultant. You want to get into competitive specialist trainings. And this is enough. So it's the whole 
the whole time when you before you go into during you are in medical school and afterwards there's a very huge competitiveness and then the other dimension is the specialities which uh, where do you want to work when you finish your training do you want to be in a teaching hospital in a district hospital in general practice and each of them have very different competitive dimensions so are you working in surgical or in geriatrics are you working in acute medicine with highly technical skills which you need to learn or do you work more with patients with long-term condition where maybe more the interpersonal skills and humanistic skills are necessary rather than the technical skills. And altogether, they really, really create this kind of competitiveness. That is my experience uh, studying medical students and my own observations working in medical schools. Mm. I find that really interesting because I'm a student at King's, which is uh, where Heidi works. And when I was in my third year, I did a a medical education project where I looked at perceptions of success amongst medical students. And I did some like informal interviewing of people who were in my year and asked them what they considered like a successful medical student to look like. And unsurprisingly, nobody said just like, you know, passing my exams, becoming a doctor, like (laughs) everyone was saying, you know, I've got to be above average. Like that's what success looks like like and I just thought that was like really really interesting because I guess you know those conversations around just becoming a doctor is not enough seemingly anymore so there's always going to be that element of competitiveness and it's not just around I guess exam results as well it's like I always feel a bit like I have LinkedIn which I don't really use that much and I kind of it's kind (laughs) of eye-rolling to me but you know sometimes people like add you on LinkedIn right and you look at all of the stuff yeah. that they've got on their profile and you're like oh my god I'm wasting yeah. my life <laughs> that freaked me out <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing I got LinkedIn not that long ago or started using it and I uh, added folk and people had like a hundred skills it's like I don't know if I've got a hundred skills <laughs> is this what people do <laughs> mm. and also it's like what am I supposed to put on here like am I supposed to put like a yeah. blow by blow of like every single thing I've ever done because I can't remember any of it so <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting when, because when I asked students in my, in my study why, uh, about the manifestations and the observations of competitiveness, they want to impress the teachers, they want to get a good job, they want a good career, they want to make sure that nobody sees their weaknesses. So they had really, um, they want to be successful, they want to be, stay competitive because medicine is competitive. And that's mostly related to surgery, in, interestingly, and they don't want to fall behind. So this is the sort of accounts people talked about when they talked about the competitiveness um, amongst medical students yeah definitely and I think as well because getting a foundation job is so like it's it's basically a random allocation right so distinguishing yourself within those dimensions is quite tricky so I think people feel like they have to distinguish themselves elsewhere and I've heard like I have heard stories of people like not sharing notes or I always like if I see an opportunity that I think one of my friends would find interesting I would always send it to them like I wouldn't even think twice about that right but I have heard of people being like oh well I'm not gonna I'm not gonna share that because like I want to do that and then more people might apply for it and then I might not get it like I don't know if that's something that you you guys have experienced Andrew and Rihan um trying to think Uh, you're probably all much nicer to each other in Scotland than we are in London (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's just a regional thing everyone's like oh these London medical schools they're so competitive yeah no I don't know I suppose uh, I'm definitely in for like the camaraderie and like like I want everyone in my course to to get through their exams and to do well and stuff like that and I think if you find yourself in the position where you're you start going oh I want to I I hope I get better than them or you know I want to get better than, than that person or anything like that you know it's I don't know, it, it, it kind of goes away from 
show you know personal excellence and just kind of a way too competitive. Like I think if you go through life like that, you know, you have to try and find something that's going to sustain you. And and if if like that's not going to sustain you through a working life is trying to just beat other people in your department. I just don't see it working. And I don't think that sort of character fits in with the character of a, a doctor, a healthcare professional. It's not. I think we're we're better, we're stronger as a group, and and which is why, like when I when I study, I like to study um, with friends because I think when you have three or four people and you have equal access to, to to all the resources and together, say if there's a topic that I struggle with, there's someone in that group that can then help me because they understand the topic better, and if I struggle, if they struggle with something, I can explain it better to them. But I have noticed that. There are people um, throughout medicine, and even before, like I think it's an it, it's a theme even when applying to medicine. So in my school, we only had two people, including me, who wanted to apply to medicine in our final year. But the other person, who was actually one of my closest friends, he would hide his work experience. Now it was the only time I ever experienced this from him. Like we're very close friends to this day, but it was like why have you hid your work experience like i i'm struggling to find any but you have some and you can tell me how to get it but and it was apparent from the start that this is how it's going to be and then you got into medicine and a lecturer says this is the recommended reading you go to the the library like two or three minutes late and they're all gone and it's like (laughs) wow like how how do how do people do people leave lectures early to to get these or what So we talked a bit about like our experiences of competitiveness in med school, um, but I thought we could talk a little bit about actually like both sides of the topic. Um, so the positives and negatives, because I think we've already alluded like quite a bit to the negatives and that's definitely something I want to explore. But actually when I was researching for this podcast, um, I think I was I, I was clearly slightly hysterical when I was writing this script because um, I've added a lot of this is hilarious. Um, so I was looking um, into like the evidence behind competition, right? And whether it helps people to learn or helps people to get like better marks in exams and stuff. And I totally appreciate that getting a good mark in an exam is not necessarily the marker of like someone being a good doctor, but you know, it's a, I think it's a reasonable proxy for us to use in terms of like this kind of research, right? So I was quite surprised to not actually find that many like papers or anything looking at medical students and mm. competitiveness, because there's this whole field, particularly in like computing, where they use like game theory to pit students against each other to see how well they can do. But it doesn't seem to have been done that much in medicine. But I did find a couple of interesting papers, one of which was this one where they basically got these med students to compete to see um, how many different like pathologies they could identify on like fundoscopy pictures, so pictures of the back of the eye. And they actually found that um, the competitive element seemed to kind of spur people on to actually do better. And the groups that were told that they were in competition with each other, they all did better. And I just thought that was really interesting. And I wondered, because at my uni, we don't really have any of that kind of direct competition. Because like you were saying, Raihan, we don't we don't really get ranked or anything. Like you do get a ranking, but it only goes to you. You don't really see what anyone else has. So I just wondered whether 
you know, does that help you guys learn? Like thinking that you're in competition with other people? I mean, Andrew, you're, you're smiling wryly. Yeah, I was just thinking like, uh, so we did a, an audit group project last year and uh, our group ended up getting the, the prize at the end of the year. And we didn't know there was prizes at all. Um, so it was a nice, nice surprise. And uh, But this year, I was just thinking about we, one of my friends who were, I was in the group with last year, we split up. And so we've been sort of going at each other saying, you know, there's another group project this year, you know, who's going to hold the title this year? So, so like, if you, if you get, like, a good group of friends, the thought behind it is good, you know, that we're, we're kind of competing with each other to try and do well. But at the same time, you know, the, the consequences are you don't get the top prize. It's not a big deal. But, you know, we're just sort of, like, pushing each other on to try and do well and also have, have good fun while you're doing it. So, you know, it, it can be good as well. Yeah, I agree with exactly everything you said. Like, if you have a group of friends that are competitive, it is fun to see who can do it best. And and I've always had that with my close friends. I mean, there's one friend, and I've just never managed to beat them in any of, like, the 10, 15 medical school exams we've had. Like, they're just a different calibre. But it's my closest friends. I mean, every year we're trying to outcompete each other. And I think last year was the first year I actually managed to um and and the sense of like it's such a good like a feeling of reward like accomplishment like not that I've passed my medical school exam but I've beat, beaten my friend like how how cool is this <laughs> yeah like after four years you get like a I rush can, of endorphins yeah like, like I can rub it in his face yep. for the next year and yeah just, exactly <laughs> but it is true um the sort of sense of gamification that you get out of it and there was a study in 2018 which they try to see um, a compet like compare the competitive teaching style to a non-competitive, and not only did they find that results were improved from the competitive cohort, they also found that the those students that were in that cohort um, enjoyed their studying process, their learning process more um, mm. than those that weren't uh, placed in that competitive situation. And similarly, I do enjoy that um, with that little bit of competition, that friendly competition with within like our friendship yeah. group yeah I think I might have read that study as well um I'll try and find it and put it in the um episode description if anyone wants to um look at that if they're interested and Heidi you work in you know academia now and, and that's also a, a really competitive field so in your experience you know how does how has competition kind of like affected you yeah, I think it definitely drives up quality um, uh, competition, definitely, because I wouldn't write so many papers and I wouldn't write so many grants if I, uh, if there was, wouldn't be a particular degree of competitiveness uh, available. And I think medical students, my, my experience and for my, my, my work is they are very driven, very, very driven people who really, really want to do really well. And also there's a very strong altruism within students when they come into medical schools. They really want to do better. They want to make a difference. And I think that really drives them and contributes to the competitiveness however um, there's also for myself and I see that with medical students as well a strong um, fear of failing and because of the endless mm-hmm. relentness of the academic demands on the assessments do, we, do I ever qualify do I ever become a doctor and interestingly enough in my study I've asked students why they wanted to become doctors and there was a, a huge gender difference the women men and women said they wanted to go to medicine because they want to work with people and learn about science but the female students had a more internal motivation they really wanted to know how the body works and work with people that was really their main uh, motivation whereas the male students 
also talked about people, but they also said the public status and the power they're going to, to have when they are finally doctors, that's more important. This was not mentioned by the female medical students at all, and I find that really interesting. So already from the very beginning, there's an expectation this is going to be a tough uh, years ahead of us, and the demands of medical school can be very overwhelming and can be very difficult for some students. Yeah, mm. And we spoke about, we actually touched on this in our Leaving Medicine episode when we said, you know, so actually we think that an element of that like pull factor that often keeps people in medicine when they might think about leaving is, you know, the fact that it is competitive and there is status associated with it. And, you know, people would maybe like look down on you a bit if you decided to like leave med school or leave medicine like when it's so competitive for you to get in and kind of feeling guilty about um maybe having like taken someone's place who would actually have been a doctor so that's something that that we've kind of touched on in the podcast before that's really interesting what you're saying Heidi about the the gender differences that's not something that I've really thought that much about before maybe I should reflect on my own reasons for becoming a doctor um (laughs) (laughs) Another mm. aspect which I think is important is people tell you all the time, I'm very lucky. Have you heard of this expression? And this kind of also represents a rivalry because they're lucky because they come from a good school or they come from a better background. They try to advantage themselves in, in comparison to the other students. And in the interviews I did, a lot of particularly the mature students who have done already a degree, they said, I'm very lucky because I have done a degree already or I worked already in the city or I went to a really good private school, I had a lot of support. So when you really carefully listen how people talk about their, this competitiveness comes out in many, many different ways. And one of them is when students talk about, I'm really lucky, I'm really lucky because of this that, and the other, and try to say, look, I'm actually better than the others. I don't know if that's something you both noticed. That's interesting, because Andrew, you're a, you're a graduate entry student, but yeah. your course only has other graduates on it, right? Yeah, yeah. So... Um... There's a normal sort of medical programme in, in St Andrews and Dundee, but ours is uh, just graduates only, so science and, and non-science people as well. But yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting seeing the sort of the different paths that people can take and, and, and all that sort of thing too. And also the behaviour of the students really changes as well. You know, that is um, a post imposter syndrome, uh, imposturing, imp- making an impression, try to be at the world round all the time before everybody else comes, this presenteeism, which is also really... Um, very very common. They want to be have a cultural conference with them with the consultants, you know, rugby and golf background. So they always try to, to impress the consultant is really important because of the patronage of medicine. And what what the medical school really want, their aim is to make you really competent practitioners because but also to become a member of the medical profession. There are two aims, it's just not one aim to become a good doctor, but also to become a member of the medical profession and I think that's partly why the competitiveness is so strong. I don't know whether that's something you experienced. I had a, an interesting thing with uh, we have like a personal tutors and professionalism tutors and a professional tutor is like a, a partner at a GP practice that I was at and uh, also a sort of dean of education in the health board and uh, I sat down with her not that long ago and, and she was saying to me going through my personal development plan I don't know if you guys have to have to make things like that and you have to have like academic aims and yeah. personal aims and all that sort of stuff and um for the academic one i think i just put down like oh, i'd like to get above a certain mark say it was say it was 70 percent, like end of year mark i want to get try and get over that if i can and she said to me uh what about this academic aim 
And uh, I was like, what about it? And she said, um, you know, w- what if you get 67%? And I was like, uh, I don't care. And she was like, good. And, uh, and uh, she was like, because I was really worried when I saw that. Um, she <laughs> said, uh, a big thing about you know, medical students is your university teaches you to be excellent and you know, to do well and to get high exams and get distinction. And then when you graduate and you're an FY1, you, you make a drug error and it's like, oh, I failed. You know, I've got this wrong. You know, I need to get this right. Where in actual fact, that, that part of the job is getting things wrong. And uh, you're kind of conditioned through all these years to, to ace everything. And then in real life, you, you don't ace everything and, and uh, sort of worry about that for medical students in general, like about how you, how you kind of learn to cope with the things that matter. Mm. afterwards when you when you kind of don't for the the whole time you're in medical school i think um what you said about like your perception on, on failure it kind of does link in with this sort of competitive nature of medicine i mean we're we're, we're taught we need to you know not be perfectionist but we have the patient's um life at stake and and we have to deal with it with like utmost care and this level of like care that is required to treat the patient is you develop that over the years and you try and perfect yourself. But oftentimes you might fail and the way you look at that failure can make or break you. And it's interesting um, you say this, Andrew, because there was a book that I was reading recently, um, Black Box Thinking, and he talks about like the per- people's perceptions and industry perceptions on failure is different. So, for example, the airline industry, he compared the airline industry to, to the medical field. And the airline industry sees a failure as, like, they, they praise it because now yeah. they've figured out a flaw or a glitch in the system where they can improve on that and they, they can work on it. And they said that the errors in the airline industry were very minimal. But when there is an error, you see it all over the news. And 238 mm-hmm. people have sadly died and and they most likely will die every year in the medical in- industry and in healthcare 200 it was like a plane falling out of the sky every day he said based on the number of medical errors and it's because we have this sort of ego we have um competition we have um doctors denying their failures because they they're not sure how to look at their failures and i guess reflection can be a th- something that has been put in place to help us but whether or not um, it is working is something to see in the future. But um, reflective practice is one of the ways that I think sort of medicine is moving towards changing the perception on failure, seeing it as a way to improve yourself and working on that. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting. What it's made me think of is um, I feel like in some ways medicine as a profession is positioned as a competition, right? Because it's a competition yeah. between the medical practitioners and like, illness or even you know to take it to its logical conclusion like death right you know you see those old like medieval images of like you know the doctors like standing between the patient and death and and things like that this is this is something that's only just occurred to me and I've been thinking about this episode for ages um I wonder if that's like kind of pulls into the whole whole thing about it like essentially we are a competitive profession and the other thing that I wanted to ask you guys about and see what you thought about was, um, do you think it's reasonable to have like a level of competition like earlier, early on in our careers because you know that that kind of continues throughout? Like, you know, consultancy jobs are 
competitive um you know a lot of the things that I guess people want to do are quite competitive because of the nature of the way that the healthcare system is set up in this country so I wonder if it's like a personality thing like in the UK because we know that there's this certain element of competition it maybe attracts people who are naturally more competitive I uh I was looking at stuff for for this um, episode and uh, I typed in like competition, medicine, blah, blah. And like one of the first things that comes up is competition ratios for specialty training mm. posts. And I was like, what's wrong with us, man? Like, why is that like the first thing that comes up that they know we all want to know the competition ratios? And, and it's like, are people going through that going, right, uh, cardiothoracic surgery, eight to one ratio, I'm picking that one. Like, like I don't know if there's a kind of element of that. Obviously, people need to know what they're applying for, but I don't know. There's just something about it. I just thought it was really strange that that it was like the first thing that came up was competition ratios for for training posts. It was like oh, it just never ends. You know, five years ago, my immature self used those competition ratios to pick which specialty I actually wanted to do, <laughs> and I saw that cardiothoracic surgery was one of the most competitive, and I said, "That's what I want to do." And <laughs> <laughs> three, three years into medical school, I realized, actually, there's a lot more sacrifice involved than just, oh, this is most competitive, let's do this, and I can prove to myself I, I can do it. But then you look into it and you realize, is that really me? Like, will I be happy 10, 20 years down the line? And is this really the career path for me? Mm. And then I realized, actually, no. And the one specialty I, I said I would never do, which was GP, is the one that I'm, <laughs> I'm most looking forward to now. And it's weird how things change as you mature yeah. through medical school. And yeah. I do think med- medical school has the ability to develop us as people and allows us to sort of find ourselves. And I think a lot of my friends who really are competitive and they even more competitive than me and they enjoy that it sort of prepares them for their specialties but for me now I'm happy with being a GP and living a like a a content and stable life as a GP in maybe some (laughs) rural area of England and I'm happy with that now. It's interesting that all of you three of you really talked about specialities who are very competitive none of you well um, Ian you mentioned general practice but there are so many other specialities but thoracic thoracic surgery or any surgery that need highly specialized skills and I think this really really drives competitiveness I think because you start often I don't know if you still do dissection and it's where a lot of you're exposed to a lot of uh, search young surgical uh, SPRs who want to become surgeon and you're exposed to them and a lot of people when I did my observation in dissection they all said they want to become surgeons and the first or second year and then like you just now said when you go five years and you realize maybe this is not what I want to do because I need to be a, la- a work-life balance as well and not being on call all the time and doing these heroic observations and stuff. So it's interesting mm-hmm. that you all think surgical kind of uh, specialities are the one which are highly competitive, but nobody talked about geriatrics, rheumatology, for example, palliative care, pediatric, where there's much more a sort of medi- a multidisciplinary approach to the care and the technical mm-hmm. skills are not really that uh, important. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit more about that and about how competition can sort of hold us back as medics. Um, But first, a message from our sponsors. 
How much do you care about indemnity right now? Probably not a lot. You're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients. But being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity. We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor, plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. Okay, back to the show. So we talked a little bit about how competition, like friendly competition um, between, you know, people can make them learn better. But as we, I think, have touched upon, like throughout the conversation that we've had so far, obviously there are downsides to a competitive atmosphere, which is not least that I think people, people can find it quite stressful, right? So, you know, feeling like, you're constantly in competition and you constantly have to do loads of extra stuff. You know, it's not conducive to good well-being, right? I think I just wonder, like, especially once you are a postgrad and there's only a certain number of opportunities, like particularly as you were saying, Heidi, for surgical specialties to practice certain technical skills. I wonder whether there's like an element of competition there that actually means that, you know, are, are doctors sort of vying to... Because I know that when I've been on the wards on placement before, you know, if there's been someone with like an interesting presentation, like I remember really clearly when I, my first rotation on the wards when I was in third year, there was a lady who had um, Guillain-Barre syndrome and all of the doctors were like, that's so interesting. Like all of the medical students should like go and see because it's really interesting. And then there was like, I wasn't really involved in this, but there was some like vying and some like competition to see who could get there the earliest, like each day so that they could see this particular patient because it was an interesting case. And I don't know. I just, it just didn't sit right with me. You have to consider the patient as well. Like what if they, they don't want to see all of the patient, all of the students and, and like, are you going to learn? Like you have to ask yourself, are you going to learn when you go and see this patient? Are you going to be engaged and are you going to be respectful not not caring that much about like am I learning the most or or, or can I see the patient or can I examine the patient and these are things that like I guess sometimes competition can can blur a person a person's vision and and they can forget these these simple things mm. and I think Heidi in your paper you um and I think you alluded to this earlier as well that um a lot of it the the competition is around kind of impressing seniors rather than um actually necessarily getting the learning you need to be a good practitioner or you know making a difference to a patient yeah i think what you are talking about is really interesting because this part of the learning process of the hidden curriculum i think it, it may be helpful if i explain the different layers of the curriculum 
So first of all, what's important to know that there's something called the medical school culture. And again, it's very, very difficult to find a, a real definition. And the definition I came up with is to define the customs, ideas and social behavior of teaching staff and the students. And they are really, really dominant within the training. And they are really within the <coughs> context of the hidden curriculum. However, the, hidden the medical curriculum is um, divided into three layers. So it's, there's the stated, intended, and formally endorsed curriculum. This is basically what we're teaching you in the medical school and what's on the website of every medical school. And there's something called the unscripted and predominantly highly interpersonal form of, t of um, teaching and learning, which is called the informal curriculum. And this happens in... When you, when you have a cup of coffee in your ward round after or beforehand with your doc, with your consultant, or when you meet somebody on the in the corridor and they give you tips and they are really important in terms for your learning and the role model is then particularly important of the doctor because it's in a very informal setting, and then we have the hidden curriculum which relates a lot to organisational structure and the culture of of the medical school and it's called the hidden curriculum. And there are very many implicit rules like how to survive the institutions. So, for example, um, a common understanding is that from my experience when I watched medical students, if a senior student comes to outpatient clinic and they're also a junior student, it's always implicitly understood that the senior students can 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 have precedent to the uh, junior students. Mm. Or the customs, for example, that the consultant always walks on the front and the students behind them on the road round or your rituals where you have a stethoscope uh, around your neck all the time. I never had this as a nurse. I just di I didn't feel I had to identify me in that way. Mm. Or the uh, uh, taking for granted aspects that you don't challenge your consultants. And so those um, are really important because in that way we can assess the structure and processes and the impacts of the medical education really well. And what you said earlier on, what I think uh, there are certain learning processes within the hidden curriculum. And I think what you talked about earlier on is about the ethical integrity might change. And there are lots of other ones like um, the adopt adoption of a ritualized professional identity, emotional neutralization. You know, when you're doing your dissection and you objectify your patients really well and you make jokes about the body. Um, this is, And you're not really allowed to show any any of your emotions very much. The acceptance of the hierarchy, which in medicine, which can also be a source of abuse of power, which I would be interested to hear if that's something you experience. Or the learning of less formal aspects of good doctoring, where the role model comes in very much. So um, they mm. are all part of the enculturation of students to develop into a practitioner and into, into the member of a medical profession. So what the hidden curriculum mm. teaches us is what is valued in medicine and it, its content rather than the means or the outcomes. But I think it's really interesting just to consider like the pros and cons of the of having a competitive atmosphere because I don't think I don't know, I think personally I think a little bit of competition is maybe good. Like what Heidi said, um, it's it's good. Competition can be good if if harnessed well and if uh, if utilized appropriately. But competition, to the extent where it, it affects your your um, moral grounding or your ethics, I think that's when you have to be um, aware of that and be able to sort of understand the boundaries and and where it where it does start to affect you because. 
because I think that will have longer lasting impacts and it, it's just, it would it would be interesting to see sort of the mm. effects like of 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 that on uh, on a longitudinal sort of study but no i think it has an impact on the mental health of students definitely if it's too competitive and i think to get a right balance is really difficult because you're describing so well so many uh, situations where competitiveness is not necessarily a, po a positive experience and also if the behavior of the medical students change to such a degree that they try to impress the, the the consultants all the time because of the patronage of the medical profession i think it's not very healthy for students mm. i agree um i think it's i think it can be so easy um when you think about how competitive it is to get in to medical school and then you, you get in and it's like right well i need to try and you know make myself near the top I need to try and do audits and all that sort of stuff, try and get publication because I want to try and get points for my FY you know, jobs and I want to try and get onto this specialty. And uh, so if I just knuckle down for these years in medical school, then then I can relax afterwards. But then like, it'll never end. And um, I, I think you've got to really think about, okay, I, you know, I want to do do well in this, but but why? Is it, is it to try and get a point on your uh, an application or is it because you know I actually think this will this will make me a better person a better doctor because those things are those things are good and, and they'll kind of fuel you to keep going but um if you think that this is going to end when you when you get out of medical school then then I think um, as Heidi said that the, the toll that will take on people kind of and their well-being and happiness is just really worrying and and so I think people have got to think about why am I doing this thing and mm. what's the net? Is it benefit or, or or negative? Yeah, no, it's just it's. I think it's that thing where we are surrounded by you know the kind of medical school kind of competitive culture. It's hard to keep your perspective of like what's what's going to be important. And I remember that that um that doctor who who spoke to me about you know the academic sort of achievement and how important it was to me or not. When when I hire doctors, you know. I don't really care too much about you know, how many facts they know or, or how clever they are. Um, the things I look at are, am I going to get on with this person and, and are they going to get on with my practice staff and my patients? And I think those are the things you need to you know, focus on. Although it's really hard to not think too much about exam results, obviously you want to do well and do your best, but you've got to make sure you're developing the things that, that are actually going to affect patients. Yeah, you need to know things but you also need to be able to speak to them and, and, and be able to kind of care about them and show them that you care as well which is a skill in itself and, and I think those things are, are the things that will make will make you a great doctor and you know all the other stuff is good but maybe not as important to patients. I think that's probably a good place for us to wrap up with that <laughs> inspiring speech. Um, so, Andrew, you might know if you've listened to um, previous episodes of the pod um, and Raihan, I know that you love this bit. Um, where we do our little <laughs> summaries of what we've learned today. But I think um, for me, like my main takeaway, I love um, or talking about, you know, how we embed ourselves into the medical profession, like coming, I'm a, um, I think both of you guys are as well, right? First in family medics. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. So I just find it like so fascinating, like watching the people who, um, whose parents are doctors, like, just immediately embedding themselves into it and like how much of a process that's been for me like I find that really interesting and competition has been a huge part of that so it's been really great to to have you with us Heidi to help us contextualize some of that and especially you know having the wider 
view of all of the medical students that you've worked with and and not just our personal experiences is is really really useful Raihan what would you say was your main takeaway from today I can't pinpoint one thing but it has been it's honestly been very nice talking about this and sort of hearing all of the different views an academic standpoint um a graduate entry standpoint and Anna your um mix of everything yeah it's just nice hearing some some other voices as well about this topic (laughs) yeah I think um yeah at this point everyone's just very excited to talk to someone who they don't see nearly every day yeah I know I am it it might also be that (laughs) what about you Andrew um I think the the stuff from Heidi the the stuff about the hidden curriculum really interesting I I thought you're thinking about the informal things that happen in medical school you know we um in our course we spend a lot of time with GPs as sort of uh, mentors and there's so much that you pick up from them about your know, work-life balance and you know how to how to sort of cope um, with a career going forward with other things as well. So, and then also the hidden stuff as well, the things you don't think about, like who's walking in front of me and and who's who's going to get a shot first, and trying to think about which ones of those are you know acceptable and which ones you need to be able to push back against a wee bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Heidi, have you got any final thoughts um, that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Yeah, I'm just horrified that the hidden curriculum is still alive and kicking. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not because it means we get to make this podcast about it. So. <laughs> Don't worry, Heidi. We're, we're working on it. <laughs> I was hoping this is all going to disappear after my publications. If the hidden curriculum is still alive and kicking, then I feel sorry for you to some degree <laughs> as medical students. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Heidi. That's a, that's a great thing to leave us on. <laughs> I think we spend enough time feeling sorry for, for ourselves. Um, so <laughs> I wouldn't worry too much about that. <laughs> that's all from us on Sharp Scratch today. If you'd like to hear more from us, subscribe to Sharp Scratch wherever you get your podcasts. And in two weeks' time, you'll get our next episode straight to your phone. While you wait for the next episode, why not check us out on social media? We're BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag SharpScratch. It's also really helpful if you can leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods as it helps other med students find the show. And it's also one of Raihan's um, biggest forms of amusement. He loves the reviews. <laughs> so I've not been Until... seeing many recently, so no, please there start reviewing been many. again. <laughs> Raihan's just sat there on his computer, like refreshing, refreshing, <laughs> waiting for the reviews to roll in. Um, but until then, it's goodbye from all of us. Bye. Bye. Bye.